welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Bibles, the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the first 12 Bible verses here in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. We have been going through a series this entire uh, beginning of this year, the past two months, called Rebuild. And we're looking at different themes for rebuilding our lives. It's so important because in many ways, uh, we're, we're constantly rebuilding our lives to when we've had set, setbacks in difficult uh, situations. And today we're going to be looking at what we call the apostasy. Now, the apostasy, I want to actually go ahead and give you the definitions of apostasy. So our two scriptures we're going to be looking at, like I stated, 2 Thessalonians 2, and then later on we're going to be flipping over our Bibles to John 8. So you can go ahead and put your fingers in both of those scriptures. But what is the word apostasy? And you're going to see this word used in this section of scripture we're about to read. But I want to give you a definition because I think it's a big Bible church word, and a lot of times we don't know what, what we're talking about. The apostasy means it's, it's deception. A definition of this, apostasia, means falling away, departure, or rebellion. And you'll see a footnote in your Bible. You can see how it's a reference, actually, uh, to a rebellion. So it's, it's deception. It's at one point you did or practiced or you believed this, and then something happened and you fell away, and now you practice and you believe this. Or it's a departure. At one point you were very faithful, but now you're not. Or a rebellion, it's you're fighting, literally, you're going against God. And looking at the, when we come to this word here, what we're about to read, the two different, two different sections, it means you can really interpret this two things, this word. It's either this future time of when professing Christians, all of a sudden, they turn away and they fall away from their faith in Christ. There's, just, there's this gradual time, we say it's in the future, but it could be going on right now, where people who were once very faithful in their walk with the Lord something happened or other interests stole their hearts and now they're not faithful anymore. Or, it could be referring to apostasy here, this specific historical event that is going to be characterized by this massive revolt against God. Meaning, one day in the future, for the second coming, there will be this revolt, this apostasy against God. Where Human beings, we decide we're going to fight against the Lord. We're no longer going to believe the Bible. Me personally, say, what do you believe, Pastor? I would believe it's the first of those definitions. I think the apostasy is where you just see Christians who grew up in church. Then, throughout their journey in life, they just drift away. They present an image and they have this historical connection but really, their faith is not genuine. There's a phoniness to their faith. I'll, I'll illustrate what it's like, kind of, um, all of a sudden, having somewhat of a phoniness. I wake up every morning, of course, and I get out of bed, and there's a picture in our bedroom. It's a picture of these streetcars in Houston, Texas. It's a massive photo, picture right across from bed. I'm looking at these, this picture. 
And every morning for many years I've been doing this. I have never been to Houston. In fact, when I think of Houston, I think of the Houston Astros cheating their way of winning the World Series. That's what I think of Houston. So I'm looking at streetcars in Houston. In fact, Sherry, who wants the picture there, she's never been to Houston. So I've even asked her, why do we have a picture of Houston, Texas streetcars? I don't even know if they have streetcars in Houston, Texas, but we have a picture of one in our bedroom. And then I walk into the bathroom, getting ready to shave, and there's a picture of a beach behind the mirror, a huge picture of this beach, and it's called Majestic Beach. I have no idea where Majestic Beach is. I don't even know if there is a Majestic Beach anywhere. I've never been there. So my first two things I see every morning are fake. Houston, Texas, never been there. Majestic Beach, we don't even know if it exists. But it's in, it's in our bedroom, in our bathroom. That is an example of presenting something that you really have no connection to whatsoever. We have those pictures because they match the furniture and they look good and it fits the room in the bathroom. That's why those pictures are there. It has nothing to do with the picture. The apostasy in our lives is where we present an image. Maybe people think at one point you're a Christian, or you were a Christian, or you thought to be a Christian, or you were very faithful in your walk with Christ, or you want people to think that. But now the reality is you're not. And I want to tell you, one of the dangers of social media is especially with filters, you can present any image on social media you want. And it's fake. We live in a time and in a culture where departing and presenting something that is not genuine. You might be able to fool people here today, but there's going to come a day you won't be able to do that. We will have to be definite on our relationship and our stand with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bibles here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily upset or troubled, either by prophecy or by message or by a letter supposedly from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has come. So Paul's writing this to this church, and he's saying, you need to be careful, be aware. Don't get upset, because there will be people who talk about, who refer, who reference that Jesus has already come back. Jesus tells us that we can't believe these types of rumors that we hear. And people will give prophecies, people will give a word from the Lord, and it won't be accurate. And then go look at verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. That's a running theme we see throughout this, these 12 verses. We have to guard ourselves against this deception because there's deception all around us. For on that day will not come, this is a reference to the second coming, unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, is revealed. The man doomed for destruction. So Bible's telling us here, before the second coming, before we're revealed who the Antichrist is going to be, this falling away, this rebellion, this apostasy is going to come first. 
where I personally believe what, what Paul's talking about, there's going to come a time where Christians, apostasy is not for lost people, there was once a time where Christians who used to believe this book, who were so faithful at practicing, worshiping, living out their life, and then for whatever reason, they drifted away. They have gone down a road of non-belief. Do you know a sad fact I shared about last Sunday? You can go into churches. This is not just our city here. And churches all across America. In fact, you will walk in that church and you can hear a sermon. You can sing songs. And you can hear all sorts of things. But it won't be the gospel. They won't be talking about biblical Christianity. They might be talking about other things. Social justice, doing good, helping others, being a good neighbor voting, whatever people talk about who don't believe in the Bible. But the truth is, that's not Christian worship. Christian worship is based on what God has revealed to us. This is what, what it means by you'll, there, there'll be this falling away. There'll be this fake Christianity all around us. He goes on to say, He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he sits in God's temple proclaiming that he himself is God. One of the characteristics of the Antichrist. And I want you all to know, the thing about the Antichrist, it's not for us to go around and try to figure out who's the Antichrist. The Bible doesn't tell us who the Antichrist is. He gives us clues who the Antichrist is. He says the number one characteristic of this person is he's going to be a deceiver. All about him is deception. But for us to know the details of who this person is and exactly what he's going to do, we don't know. And the reason we don't know is because God doesn't want us to sit there and constantly look at the news and follow other countries and try to figure out who could he be. In fact, the person you identify, say you think it, a gentleman in Russia, uh, Vladimir Putin right now, he's in the news all the time, of course. You might think he's the Antichrist. I can almost guarantee you, if everybody thinks he's the Antichrist, he's not the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a deceiver. He's going to be someone no one could imagine. In fact, he's almost he's going to be a religious leader because he's going to talk about God. He's even going to claim divinity. Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I used to tell you about this? And you know that I, and you know that what currently restrains him so that he will be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. But the one now restraining will do so until he is out of the way. Who's restraining the Antichrist? God. God knows the moment he allows the Antichrist to come on the scene, wickedness will increase so much, you're coming to the very end of the world. And God is the one who's restraining him. That's, the, that's how... We can never underestimate the demonic influence of the devil. We have an enemy who seeks to destroy your life. Who wants to destroy this church. Who wants to ruin families and teenagers and children in this city. Because he was cast out of heaven. And he knows he's going to the eternal lake of fire based on Revelation 21. He's going to destroy every other soul he can along with him. That's why the old slogan, hurt people hurt 
people. Meaning, if you know someone who's negative, who's bitter, who's angry, who's a Debbie Downer, you know, you look inside their heart if it's possible. They're actually hurt. And a lot of people who are discouraged and down the dumps, they just want to bring everyone else down to their misery. That's what the devil does. He's doing it actively, destroying lives. He knows he is working against God. Keep going here in your Bible. It says here, verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed. The Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing at the appearance of his coming. Just like that, Jesus will breathe and the Antichrist will be gone. The coming of the lost one is based on Satan's working with every kind of miracle, both signs and wonders, serving the lie. That's the lie. That's the apostasy. This is this great deception we read about here in our Bibles. And with every wicked deception among those who are perishing, meaning people who are, who are dying, they are believing the lie. I want you to know, when people, if you know someone who has terminal cancer or they are in um, some type of program where you know end-of-life care, if you are visiting someone and they are soon going to die, do you know what you need to do with them? The Bible literally says, every wicked deception among those who are perishing, you need to get rid of all the other junk in their room and turn off everything else and tell them how to be saved. People can get saved even up to the point of death. The greatest tool the devil uses is distraction. We just live among and amidst distracted people who are actually going into eternity and they're not even thinking and realizing it. They don't even think about it. They have no idea. They're focused on, I don't want any pain. I'm going to take my medicine. We're just going to have a good family, live a good inheritance. Those might be okay, but what's most important is you, all that really matters is where you stand with God. And there's people who are dying, who are not in a good relationship with the Lord. They perish here, verse 10, because they did not accept the love of truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a strong delusion so they believe a lie. That lie is the apostasy, the lie that folks are believing. The ultimate lie that folks believe is that they think they're a good person, they're going to heaven, they've got it in life, when in fact they're spiritually lost. Now I'm about to illustrate this here in a minute. So that they will not be condemned, those who did not believe the truth, but delighted in unrighteousness. The work of the devil is actually deception. He has two main strategies against you and I. And this is one of them here, getting people to believe the lie. But how he does that, he exploits our weaknesses. Satan knows our weak areas. Some of us have different tendencies to sin than others. We are very susceptible to some things and others aren't. And the devil knows when we're going to be at our weakest moment. And he exploits that. But not only does he exploit our weaknesses, he also blinds us to God's truth. There is nothing more than the devil wants us to do is to be blinded to what is true. 
God's word and God's teaching, God's instruction is truth. Satan wants us blinded by that. And our whole city and culture is blinded to God's truth. You know, the goal throughout Satan's and his work in human history has been actually to deceive God's people, that's us, and to thwart God's goals for us. Meaning God has a plan and purpose for us, but he knows if we can get us discouraged, sidetracked, and enslaved in sin, we won't do it. We'll be focused on other things than leading lost people to Jesus and pointing people to what's most important in their life. The devil is something we are constantly having to work against. Let me illustrate this based on the Old Testament. This is how people are fooled. You go back to the book of Exodus, and it begins in chapter 1, and the Israelites, the Hebrew people, are in slavery in Egypt. They've been in slavery for 400 years. Joseph led them down there to get some grain, and all of a sudden the Bible says a Pharaoh who did not know of Joseph rose up, meaning it what started good ended up bad. Just because a nation starts good, like our nation did 400 years ago, doesn't mean it's always going to finish good. These folks found themselves, over one million of them, in slavery. It was hard. It was difficult. God raised up this young man named Moses. They pulled him out of the Nile River in a basket. Raised him under Pharaoh, in Pharaoh's house. And Moses was called by God from a burning bush that did not burn up. Had to take off his shoes, by the way, when God spoke to him. And he says, you're going to go back to Pharaoh, and he's going to let my people go, and you're going to perform ten plagues, and Pharaoh's son's going to die. And then you're going to go through the Red Sea. Watch what's going to happen. Sure enough, all these plagues occurred, all these wonderful miracles happened. They found themselves passing through the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army, the waters come back down, all the Egyptians are dead, and they get into this Sinai wilderness. But they get out there and they receive the Ten Commandments and they start disobeying them. Then they start complaining and griping and grumbling. And the people find themselves wandering around for 40 years in the desert. But God won't let them in the promised land because all they do is complain. But listen to what their complaints were. God had these folks, this massive million-plus group of people, the Israelites, and he was taking care of them. He was giving them manna, which is bread from heaven, doesn't exist today. And these birds, quails, were flying in every morning. They were right there on the ground. They'd wake up, and there's their food, and they'd eat their food. They didn't have to hunt or fish. God just supplied their needs. Well, I guess if you eat manna and quail for 40 years, you start to want a different menu. And they start griping and grumbling. And they started talking about how great the meat, and the Bible says the melons and the fruit, and the fish, all the wonderful food was. Back in Egypt, they missed those days. They were remembering how good things were back in Egypt. And you think about that, and that's almost like something from the past comes back and you remember it. It's almost like a postcard. In fact, I brought a postcard here. Someone who goes, who uses, folks used to send these all the time. 
postcards are places you don't go to, but other people are there, and they're letting you know how great they are and how much you're missing. Miss Osmond here, back in um, November, decided she's going to go visit the Biltmore. Now, the Biltmore here, you look at this nice picture. This is a nice snow picture. You've got Christmas, uh, Christmas tree, largest house in America. The Vanderbilts built it. Very nice, very expensive. Incredibly a wonderful thing right out there in Asheville, North Carolina. Now, she went and talked about how wonderful her trip was there. Got the postcard document. But, you know, I went to the Biltmore about 15 years ago, 16 years ago. We were at a church in Georgia. They took a trip there. And I look at this picture, and these aren't the memories I had at all at the Biltmore. In fact, when we went to the Biltmore, Daniel Jr. was one. And my wife decided she needed to buy the largest, heaviest stroller known to man. And we had the largest diaper bag. They, it, we, it was huge. We had any type of supply in the world. I went around that place pushing a stroller with a diaper bag hour after hour after hour. My arm was falling off. I was miserable toting around this at the Biltmore. Then we go into the gift shop. The gift shop is as big as the house. It's the most expensive gift shop you've ever been in. We're there at Christmas time. Why do we need another $40 ornament for our Christmas tree? Say, sure, we're not spending any more money. Like, we're not going to do it. We're done with this place. I got my workout for the week. And you look at the postcard, and it's picture perfect. And then I think about those memories. Of that. that place was awful. I'll never again go with a small child anywhere. That's not fun. Folks, what happened in, with the Egyptians, they forgot that when they ended up in the wilderness wandering around, they were having these memories of Egypt. And then they, it's like they received a postcard of the wonderful meat and the melons and the fish and the food they were eating. But what they didn't see on the postcard was that they were eating that food with chains on. They were receiving the fish. Maybe the postcard had a piece of fish on it, and they wanted that. But as they were eating that fish, they had a slave driver whipping them on their back. The postcard doesn't show the whole picture. And what happens for us with the apostasy, the big lie, is we believe the postcard. And it's not reality. What happens to us when you're having a bad day, when you're struggling in your marriage, when you're no longer happy with your wife, when you don't like your husband anymore, all of a sudden the mailman, this is what's going to come in your mail that day, you're going to start getting postcards galore. You've never gotten so many postcards before. And the devil sends these to you. You remember that old boyfriend? Remember that person who sent you a DM, a direct message on Instagram, and you never replied? He wanted to chit-chat. All of a sudden, opportunities start coming their way. This is what sin and what the lie does to you. And if you or I aren't careful, we will be lured away by what the mailman brings us on the postcard. And we don't see the chains. We don't see the lashes. We don't see the slavery that they were in while in Egypt. 
And folks, Jesus delivers us from this. Yet our memories, it comes back to haunt us. One of the most dangerous things on Facebook is actually, if you remember, Facebook memories. Have you ever seen those? If you've been on Facebook for like 10 or 12 years, all of a sudden you're on there and it has like a memory that you can share from 10 years ago. Well, for many people, those memories were not godly memories. Maybe you were at a party. Maybe you were dating a person or even married to a person that was wrong. Maybe you were in, uh, involved in things, doing things that were immoral. And all of a sudden it pops up and go, oh, I had forgotten about that. And it wants you to share it. And it brings back up the past. That's the danger of postcards and things from our past coming back to destroy us. It's a lie, the Bible tells us. It's a deception. And I want to tell you, that's what will happen in the apostasy. People will begin to believe there's a better way, maybe how things used to be, maybe how things once were in my life. I was happier back then. I'll go back to that way of life. And the Bible is warning us against that. Last Bible verse I want to show us. Jesus illustrates this. John 8, 44. We're going to end on this verse because this verse is going to teach us how dangerous it is for us to believe the delusion. And that's the word it uses. It says in verse 44, Jesus is having this conversation with this, in John chapter 8 with these religious Pharisees. The whole conversation was they believed they were saved because they were descendants of Abraham. They felt like we're going to heaven because we can trace our lineage all the way back to Abraham. He's our father. Jesus, we don't know who you're talking about, but we're descendants of Abraham. That's why we're going to heaven. I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians who think that way. A lot of Christians don't go to church anymore. They, maybe they worship online. Or maybe at one point they were coming to this church four times a month. And now they're lucky if they come once. Spiritually, they have declined. You can actually see loss in their life. And then Jesus told these people who believed this, He came up to these Pharisees He says, You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father, the devil. You want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He does not stand in the truth. What does it mean he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning? In the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.1, a serpent came to Eve and he lied to her. Genesis chapter 4, Cain, it becomes envious and jealous of his brother Abel. So what do you do when you need to solve a problem? You kill the man and bury him in the ground and go about your life. And God confronted him. It was murder and lying is of the devil. And that's what he's telling, Jesus is saying here. He said there's no truth. People who stand for truth are of the Lord. And one of the challenges in 2022 is we must stand for biblical truth, God's truth. Because you're going to have incredible pressure not to stand for. You might be the only teenager, you might be the only person at where you work that actually stands for truth. 
It goes on to say, latter part of verse 44, he says, when he tells a lie, he speaks his own nature because he is a liar and a father of lies. The delusion we fight against is the devil lies to us. Much of our spiritual life, and what's going to happen, we know the apostasy is coming, if it's not already here, is understanding and being able to tell the truth, God's truth, versus the lie. And the question this morning is, have you believed the lie? How do you know if you believe the lie? Is God not enough? Or when did God become not enough for you? When you're longing for something more. If your life is built on this false premise, you will find yourself becoming sorrowful because you find yourself believing and living for the postcard and then all of a sudden you find it was just a small glimpse of the truth. It's like a filter on an Instagram post. It's fake. It's showing, it's covering up all the blemishes. It's presenting something in your life that is wrong. There is an ever-present danger of the Antichrist. And I'm going to end on this. Say, what do you mean? Is he coming? We don't know when the Antichrist is coming. But if the Antichrist, even if he's not here physically, we have to be careful because we can be influenced and deceived personally. You and I can find ourselves believing the lie Believing the lie, here's the ultimate lie, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you don't believe that, that's the truth. But the devil's going to teach us and have all people in our city believe you can live a good life, you can do what you want to do, you can go and believe other churches and other religious teachings and people of other faiths are going to be able to go to heaven too. But if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and you have made Him your Lord and Savior, and that's it. That's, that's the truth. Everything else around us is going to try to pull us away from that rock-solid belief and commitment in Christ. And this morning I ask you, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you believed the truth? There's no other way. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. We have to believe, and we stand for, that only by Christ alone are we saved. Everything else is pulling us away and deceiving us spiritually and telling us that we can believe in addition to or not all of this and we'll be okay. And the Bible is saying no. This morning I want to ask you, have you done a self-awareness check in your spiritual heart and say, have I believed the lie? Are there, are there commitments and beliefs that I used to be so rock solid on certain things on Scripture, 
And now for cultural change and how things have occurred, I no longer believe this like I used to. You were once so committed, but you've literally just drifted away. You've departed from what you once believed. Christ is speaking to you this morning. He's calling you to examine your heart and say, have I believed this lie? Because I I am nothing. We are nothing without Christ alone. I'm going to invite our band to come forward. Feature you and the band come forward. We're going to have a time of response. God's brought you here this morning. And some of you need to give your life to Christ. And there's no better day than today. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the future holds. We could be next week in World War III. All that matters right now is if we have trusted Christ as our Savior and He's our Lord and Savior. And folks, if you've done that, the Bible says you are saved. You've been born again. You have been united with God. And then we take that as our rock and foundation and we cling to that belief in the gospel and we boldly go about our lives making a stand for truth. Some of you need to be saved and some of you, unfortunately, have started going down a road of, non, of, just, of unbelief. You were once rock solid, but now you've given up. We don't surrender anything on Scripture. We only surrender to God. We're going to have our time of responding. If you want to get saved this morning, myself and Zachary, as always, we're going to be standing down front. Knowing that you can join this church. This is the time you join Broadway Baptist Church. And this is a wonderful Bible-believing church for you to join. And you want to make this your church home. You and your family love this place. So let's stand together. Zach, if you don't mind, you come stand up here. I'll be singing here. Our band's going to lead us our song. Now's our time to respond to the gospel.